Today's pretty simple. We're going to dive into Mark chapter 10. And this sermon today really only has one point. And uh, which for some of you are going to be very happy about that. That's it. That's all we're going to talk about today. And what we're going to talk about is, hey, how do I get to that? How do we get there? And today we're going to read this passage where there's a blind guy in the middle of this passage that's screaming out for mercy. Like, could somebody do that right now? Could somebody scream mercy? Mercy! Mercy! <laughs> We're going to find in Scripture that people didn't really laugh when he started doing that, all right? There was an awkwardness in the crowd because there's something strange about publicly needing mercy. It really is. But what is mercy? Let's just, before we even get into it, what is it? Why, why should our experience this really change our lives? Like, why are we talking about something very dangerous? Because, you know, here's something that's scandalous about mercy is that I want mercy for me. I'm just not so sure I want it for you. Let me explain. I was at the dump yesterday because I had uh, been doing some work in our back garage and just got rid of a lot of stuff. And I went over, over on Harding Pike and I pull up and I had to wait in line because at the gatehouse, there was a little woman with big glasses who was definitely the dump guard, like she was the police. And the person in front of me, she was all up in their window, like crawling up because she was short and looking at all their stuff in the back. And it took them forever. And when I pulled up, she goes, you'll never believe what that was about. I said, I'm completely, I'm all ears. And she goes, well, let me tell you, this is a Davidson County dump. That's what she does. She talked like that. I'm not making fun of her. Big old glasses. She's leaning up in my truck. And she goes, let me tell you what it's for. It's for people who live in Davidson County. If you don't live in Davidson County, you cannot dump your trash in this location. You have to go to Williamson County. I said, okay. And she goes, the guy in front of you, do you know what was on his driver's license? that he was a resident of Williamson County. <laughs> and he looked at me and he says, no, I'm not. Then I went and looked at his license plate. And you know what his license plate said? That he's a citizen of Williamson County. <laughs> and I came back and she goes, and you know what he had on his head? I said, no. She goes, a baseball cap that said Williamson County. <laughs> I said, well, what did you do? She goes, oh, I let him on through. I said, what? What? She goes, hey, that's just the kind of person I am. <laughs> now, I got a problem with your trash, though. I'm like, come on, a little mercy. See, mercy is when somebody has the power, the power to hold you accountable for the wrongs that you have done. Someone who has the power to say, you now must pay the price for the mistakes that you have made and for the intentional wrong that you've done, but instead of making you pay that price, they give you grace. See, grace is undeserved favor. Mercy is letting you slide on what you've done wrong and giving you grace instead. And so we're gonna talk about mercy because you see why I say that mercy is kind of scandalous because I want mercy for all the mistakes I've made. Like when I pass that police officer and I'm going 12 miles over the speed limit, I want lots of mercy. Don't hold me accountable to that. I didn't see you, dude. 
But the guy who just flew past me doing 15 miles, get him. He cut me off. Go get him. I want justice for you. Especially when you're dealing with my life. But I want mercy for me. So we're going to talk about the mercy. You ready? Y'all with me this morning? Come on. Okay. Y'all want some mercy? All right, Christine, you're going to come and read for us today? Okay. Do you guys know Christine Gilbert? She's going to be in Mark chapter 10, and she's starting in verse 46. Uh, And this is the story of Jesus on his way to Jerusalem, passing through Jericho. Mark 10, 46. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Okay, Christine, come on. We need more shouting than that, all right? (laughs) He was shouting. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Yes, (laughs) love it. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, Jesus said. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Okay. Now I'm about to pray. And the reason I'm about to pray, thank you, Christine. Thank you. Uh, We believe here that we don't go to church. We are the church. We don't believe that we're coming here to be religious. We're coming here to experience God who's working here and intentionally has you here for a reason. And so what I'm about to pray is that the Holy Spirit would give you revelation about truth because we believe that on our own, we can't discern truth. We need the Holy Spirit to interpret it for us. In fact, it talks about how scripture sets our hearts on fire. And that's what I'm praying for you and that you'd be attentive to that. You wouldn't be distracted by me or maybe even from the stories, but you'd be listening to what the Holy Spirit is doing. So will you join me in that prayer? Okay. Lord, we pray you'd send your Holy Spirit right now to do what none of us could do. Only you can change lives. Only you uh, can teach us true spiritual wisdom. Only you can step in and open our eyes to see what is unseen. So we pray, Father, that today would not be a Sunday that gets thrown away, but today we would be present right here, that, Lord, you would take our minds out of yesterday, and, Lord, you would free us from thinking about tomorrow, and for once this week be present right where we are and see you in Christ's name. Amen. So here's the story. Jesus is leaving Jericho and there's a blind guy on the side of the road and he's begging because, you know, he's blind and he doesn't have any money and he needs people to give to him. And in his begging, he hears that Jesus is coming. Sorry, I just ate a granola bar and there's all kinds of food in my teeth. If that distracts you, I'm sorry. Um, And so he's begging And he hears that Jesus is coming by. Now, evidently, he's heard stories about this Jesus, this supernatural, powerful man who's able to heal people. And he's tired of being blind. And here's his moment. Here is his moment to get Jesus to stop what he's doing and maybe, just maybe, put a little bit of that Jesus magic on him to where he's going to finally get his eyesight back. 
So what does he do? He starts shouting, Jesus! And he's shouting so much that the crowd's like, bro, we get it. It's a little over the top, man. Tone it down a little bit. It's really irritating. Can't you see we're all celebrating walking with Jesus because that's what Jesus does throughout the whole Bible. He's always walking everywhere. Like, lighten up, and he doesn't. He keeps going and going and going until Jesus says, okay, 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 stop. Bring him here. He brings them and he asks them this question, what do you want? Very haunting question. And he goes, I want to see. Jesus says, okay. Heals him. Just keeps on walking. And he starts to follow. Now, when we come to passages of scripture like this in the Bible, this is where I do that preacher thing. You know, this is when that granola in my teeth... This is when I say to you, oh, brothers and sisters, we are just like Bartimaeus. We are all on the road of life, blind and beggars. We're all ragged clothes in poverty. Our souls are impoverished and our spirits need life. Like if you, if just you, if you would like be like Bartimaeus, if you would just rise up and with faith, if you would cry out to Jesus, if you just keep on crying out to Jesus and just keep crying out to Jesus, it's going to irritate your neighbors. It's going to make you look foolish. Nobody's going to understand, but if you'll just keep on crying out, if you'll express faith in desperation, in your blindness and in your poverty, if you'll just do that, then Jesus will hear your cry. He will heal you and allow you to see. Amen, brothers and sisters. Thank you. I've wanted to do that for so long. (laughs) Now, what I just said is not untrue. It's true about crying out to Jesus. It's true that we're impoverished. It's true that we're spiritually blind until Christ gives us sight. I can take you to all kinds of scripture. I'm out of breath. How do those guys do that? (sighs) Lord. We can find all that in scripture. Here's the problem. It's just not in this text. We study scripture and Mark doesn't go. And now if you'll just be like Bartimaeus. So let's get curious and find out what's really here. Like, why is this here? Is this just another story of Jesus doing his Jesus thing? Or is there something more here? So let's keep score. All right. You want to keep score? Because there's a couple of things that we want to keep score. Remember, we're trying to get to mercy. So we got Bart. I love Bart. Uh, Actually, his name is, uh, we don't know. Bart means son of, like uh, Bar Mitzvah, son of the covenant. This is Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. And that's what Mark tells us because we're a bunch of Gentiles and we don't know that. So Bartimaeus, good old Bart, he comes to Jesus and he asks, well, hang on. He has one question I want to see. One question, Jesus gives him an answer and says, yes, all right, mercy. So one question, one answer equals mercy. But what's going on here? So if we step back and we look at the whole chapter of 10, Mark 10, we see in verse 51, what do you want me to do for you? but we see the exact same question in verse 36, where Jesus is saying, 
what do you want me to do for you to a completely different group of people? And I think we can assume that Mark isn't just a lazy writer that have run out of things to say or that he's cynical or senile and has forgotten that he wrote this like 15, 20 verses earlier. I think what Mark is doing is he's giving us these two exact questions to two very different groups so that as we can compare them and look at them, we'll understand this. So you ready to go with me? So... Jesus' disciples are coming through Jericho, and we've got to set the scene here. And Jericho was not the Jericho that the walls fell down in the Old Testament. This is another town, same name. This town is about 18 miles outside of Jerusalem. It's where there's an oasis, so there are lots of palm trees. So this was a natural place for everybody to migrate to on their way to Jerusalem. And there were a lot of people migrating to Jerusalem because this was Passover season. And everybody was going to Jerusalem for the big party. This was the festival. This was the huge Passover festival where everybody came every year to celebrate this beautiful season of the Jewish calendar where they would come together and celebrate the Passover together. So there are crowds that are, that are going in that direction. And in the midst of those crowds, there's Jesus. And Jesus is being Jesus. And like walking next to him is Lazarus. And if you remember Lazarus, he rose Lazarus from the dead. Like there are miracles all around Jesus and there's a buzz around Jesus and people are getting really excited and they want to be near him. They want to touch him. They want to they see what he's going to do next. In fact, there was so much anticipation that was building about Jesus heading to Passover that everybody knew this was going to be the clash of the Titans, the rumble in the jungle. Like this, this is where it was all going to happen. They knew that when Jesus came marching into Jerusalem, the Romans could not ignore it anymore. And the crowds were so massive. You remember when he came into Jerusalem, we celebrated this a few weeks ago. People are laying on palm branches and their cloaks and they're, they're shouting, Hosanna, you know, son of David. Like, and they're realizing this is going to be the coronation of a new king. Everybody was anticipating that. Look at verse 32. In verse 32... Jesus starts this passage by talking to his disciples and he says, again. Now, when you say again, it means you've done it before. Like when you say to your kids, again. Now, do I have to sit down and tell you again? Again. And that's what Jesus is saying. He says, boys, sit down because I got to tell you something again. And he took the 12 aside. He told them what was going to happen to him. Listen, he says, hey guys, we're going to Jerusalem. And they're like, I know, I know, it's so exciting. And he goes, we're going to Jerusalem and what's going to happen to to the son of man? He will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. And three days later, he will rise. Jesus is saying, guys, I've told you this again. I've told you this before. Let me tell you again. We're not going to Jerusalem for any other thing than this. I'm going to be mocked. I'm going to be spit on. I'm going to be flogged. And guys, I'm going to be killed. Now, I know, man, mocking, spitting, flogging, none of that's good. But I'm going to die. Like, how could he make it more clear? 
Is anyone in this room confused about what Jesus is saying? But look at the next verse. Then James and John, sons of Zebedee, came to him and said, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Okay, stop right there. This is like you coming to somebody and go, okay, 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 who does this? Chat, 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 I got a question for you. I want something from you, but hey, you got to promise to do it for me before I ask you. Promise, promise, promise. I want you to get me something. Promise you'll get it. Promise, promise. Who does that? Little kids. That's what John, okay, Jesus, I'm going to die. You got to promise you'll do something for us. What is it? Okay, okay, here it is, here it is, here it is. What do you want me to do for you? Oh, wait, this is the same thing he asked Bartimaeus. And he says, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. And Jesus says, guys, you don't know what you're asking. Do you understand what's happening here? John and James are absolutely convinced this is the man who walked on water. This is the man who raised the dead. This is the man who fed the 5,000. There is no way we're not going to Jerusalem and he's not going to ascend to the throne. Are you kidding me? This is his moment of power. We know what's going to happen. He's going to oust the Romans. He's going to do his Jesus thing. And when he does his Jesus thing, every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess, and he will be the ruler of Jerusalem. And guess what? When you get to that point, when you make it to the top, man, when you get up there, because we know you're going up there. Hey, when you get there, don't forget your homeboys. Come on, man. Let one of us be on the right and the other be on the left. Why? Why do they want that? Why would you want that? Why would you want that kind of power? Why would you want that kind of authority, that kind of position, that kind of fame? That kind of, why would you want that? You know, I got to tell you, man, I, I love having the power to do what I want. Do you? Do you like having the, no? no I'm the only one, okay. I like having the authority to get what I think needs to be done, done. Because deep down, I really believe confession. If everybody would just do it the way that I think they need to do it, the world would be a better place. Thank you. Amen. Yes. I really believe, like I have this vague sense when I watch the news, if everybody would just listen and think like I do, this world would be okay. Do you ever have that experience? No. Okay. Sorry. I know what you're thinking. We're not going back to that church. Why? Because I really think that where change comes in this world is through that kind of power. And I want that kind of power. And I'm not talking about political power to where I can change, you know, what happens here in Nashville. I'm just talking about like where I'm going to go to lunch today. Yeah. Like, think about it. I don't want a lot of money. I just want enough money to not care about money. And what do I not care about money? I want enough money to do whatever I want to do and not worry about money. That's enough for me. Because <laughs> what is money? Money's nothing. Money is power, power to control your life. Like think about it, if you got no money, let's say you got 10 bucks in your pocket and you're gonna go to lunch today, what are your options? 
you better hope Farmer Wade has a grill out there and he cooks some of those veggies because that's about as good as you're going to get. But if you had unlimited resources, go wherever you want. Look at that power. Shape your lunch dreams however you want to shape them. I like that kind of power. Are these guys serious? Let's think about this. So here are the disciples. They have a question. What's the question? Give us whatever we want. What do you want? Power. The answer is, nope. That equals mercy. Bartimaeus, come on. We got to be like Bartimaeus. That's how you get to mercy. Well, the disciples weren't like Bartimaeus at all. And guess where they're landing? Mercy. And what did Jesus do? He didn't kick them to the curb. He didn't kick them out of the discipleship club. He didn't say, you know, I'm going to the cross without you guys. You're not invited to the party anymore. He didn't put them in their place. He didn't shame them. He didn't manipulate them. He didn't even rebuke them. He showed them mercy. It almost sounds as if God's mercy has nothing to do with us. Wait a minute. Is that even possible? Like, look at, go to Mark chapter 10. Look at uh, 41 through 43 and 6. Like, Jesus takes the disciples aside and he goes, guys, 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 look, look. Here's the mercy. You know what leaders are like. You don't want to be like that. You know the Gentiles, they lord their power over everybody. They force everybody to get their way. He says, you really want to change the world? Let me show you how we change the world. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. Are you kidding me? That sounds horrible. And he says, let me explain. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus says, this is mercy. The son of God, God himself did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What kind of God do we serve? Let me take you all the way back. In, in Exodus chapter 33, if you've never read this, Moses, he had just led the Israelites out of Egypt, you know, let my people go. And they, you know, the sea opens up and they get out into the desert and they're wandering around the desert and they're about to enter into the promised land, which means that they were about to go to war because there were already people in the promised land. And so they're about to go to war and God and Moses are having a conversation in the tent of meeting. And Moses says to God, if you're not going with us, I'm not going. Like, I've got to be sure that you're going with us because I'm not drawing swords and going to fight all these ites, you know, Canaanites, Mennonites, all that, you know. I'm not going to do all that. Go listen to that later. You'll laugh. And uh, I'm not going to do any of that unless you're going with us. And the Lord says, hey, Mo, slow down. All right, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm going to go before you. I'm going to come behind you. And Moses says this to God. Okay, that sounds great. Show me your glory. Now, what is Moses asking when he says to God, show me your glory? Glory, a good way to understand glory, glory is God going public. When, when God brings revelation of himself, that's glory. It's glorious when God is showing us his magnificent. So listen how God says to Moses when he asks, show me your glory. 
And the Lord said, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. And here is his name. Now, before I read it, listen to this. God is infinitely wise. There is no limits to where he is not. He is infinitely powerful. There is nothing that he cannot do. Nothing is over him, not even time. All is subservient to him. He is the creator of all things. He is the stainer of all things. There is no limits to who he is. He could have answered this question in any way he wanted to answer it, and it would have been justified because he is God, right? Are we all in agreement? Yeah, okay. Listen to what he says. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Here's my name, mercy and compassion. That can't be. Really? Are you telling me that since the Garden of Eden, this has been the purpose of God? This has been the redemptive story from the very beginning is God's mercy to you. See, when Jesus was born into this world, In Colossians 1, it says, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. That Jesus was God in the flesh. He finally arrived, Son of David, the Messiah. And this perfect image, this this man who is also fully God, is mercy. Listen to Colossians 1, 21. And you, who were once alienated, and enemies in your mind by your wicked works. Yet now he is reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. What does that mean? Let me tell you. Every one of us is deserving of God's judgment. Every one of us has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And because of Jesus' great love for you, He went to the cross and he stood in the way of the wrath of God and he said to God, I take all their sins upon me. Now pour out all your wrath, everything they deserve, pour it on me. Why? Because Jesus, when he took all our sins upon us, it says, so that he could present you holy and blameless without reproach or above reproach. What Jesus is saying is, I became all of your sin. Why? So that I could show you mercy. That's our Jesus. The Jesus who took every wrong that you've ever did and he paid for it on the cross. And that that when he said on the cross, it is finished, this is the most outstanding, unbelievable, remarkable word. God has no more wrath for you. If you're in Christ today, there is no wrath for you. It has been finished. It has been poured out. Jesus consumed it all. He's got nothing for you but mercy. Nothing. Do you understand what that means? Do you understand that every time you pray when you're in Christ, every prayer is answered with mercy? Every time. Do you know that your life is being orchestrated for mercy? Do you know that he is pouring out his grace on you because of mercy? You can't get near Jesus and not experience mercy. Yesterday, I went to Waffle House. I know, mercy. It is a picture of mercy. Sweet Pam, she waited on us. 
my little three-year-old granddaughter was in the booth with me and she had chocolate chip waffles and wanted syrup on it. I know, double whammy, you know, but she was going home with her parents, so I didn't care, you know? <laughs> you want butter too? There you go. How about a mouthful of sugar? Like, and she did not sit down the whole time she was eating her waffles. And she was eating and laughing and joking and she's with Papa and having a great time. The rest of the day, I'm swearing, the rest of the day, what is that in my hair, syrup? What is that on my shirt, syrup? I had it everywhere. It is impossible to eat next to Charlotte when she is eating waffles and not get syrup on you. That is an impossibility. It's not humanly possible. And you can't get near Jesus without experiencing mercy. He's going to get it all over you. He's going to get it completely all over you. All over you. That's why we cry for mercy. Because mercy sets us free. It sets us free from shame. It sets us free from judgment. It sets us free from living very small to now living very large. That God is for me. He is not against me. And he is working all things together for my good. I was sitting in the hospital yesterday with Carl Vick. Some of y'all know his lung collapsed and he had to have surgery and we were just sitting there and praying together and talking about, is God good? He has tubes coming out of his side. He's doing much better. And we just, we encouraged each other's hearts by saying, yeah, the Lord is good, isn't he? Even in this, he is good. Why? Because he is a God of mercy. So here's what we're about to do. I know there are parts of your life that doesn't feel like you're experiencing mercy. Parts of my life where it's hard to see our suffering and our pain, where's mercy in that? And Jesus wants to draw near and smear his mercy all over that because that's what he does. Not because you deserve it, but because that's who he is. So we're about to worship and what we're gonna do is, is we're gonna use the first couple of songs to cry out for mercy for us and then I'm gonna give you a challenge after those two songs um, and send you out with a challenge. You ready? Okay. Let's pray. Lord, <laughs> Jesus, how can this be that the high king of heaven would come down and become a servant, even death on a cross for me, that you would count your love for me so great that even going to the cross, you count as all joy, that we are your joy. And now that, Lord, you have made us new, that you have removed our sin and you have placed us in the place of mercy where there's no more wrath for us. Lord, there are places in our lives that we need your mercy. Places where we have forgotten how good you are and fear has taken hold. Places where, Lord, we have given our lives to sin because we have forgotten how good you are places where we've become afraid because we don't know if you really care that much anymore. Places where we have chased things that don't give life and we have not chased those things that do give life. And Lord, there are places in our lives that we feel shame because by now we should be better, right? But it doesn't feel it. 
And in all those places, Lord, we cry mercy. Help us to see, Lord. We know that the disciples were as blind as Bartimaeus. And yet, Lord, you fought for all their sights because of mercy. Now fight for ours. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay. Now the Jesus that we serve, who did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, is looking at us and going, let's go. Come on. Follow where I'm going. And here's where your Jesus is going. He's going to the cross. He's saying, lay down your life. And because here's what's amazing about our Jesus is he never gives us something to keep in our pockets. He always gives it to us to give it away. You know, it's, that's why we love because we have been loved. He has poured his love out into us and out of that we love. We forgive because we know how much we've been forgiven. He's poured his forgiveness out on us so that we can pour forgiveness out on other people. And we give because we understand how much he has given us. It's all connected. He never asks us to do something where he doesn't give us all the resources to do it first. So if I'm going to give, I give knowing he has given me everything. And it makes me generous. So what about mercy? He has poured mercy out on you. And he says, now go and do likewise. So here's the challenge that I have for you. You're not going to understand his mercy until you attempt to give it to others. When we give it, we understand it almost more than when we get it. And I'm going to ask you, who in your life today needs mercy? Who in your life needs to stop being held accountable for what they have done? But you let them go and free them and forgive them and pour out grace on them. Who in your life do you need to go... I will give you mercy because mercy has been given to me. Who in your life do you need to now say, I follow the high king of heaven who didn't come to be served but to serve and to give his life for me so that I may have life and my life will look like mercy. Is it a family member? Is it your spouse? Is it your kids? Your parents? Is it that person that you work with? Is it that neighbor? Is it you? Is it time for you to give yourself mercy? So we're about to sing this final song. Bring that to the Lord. And know you can do all things through him who strengthens you. Lead us, friend. <laughs>